We're going to be looking at that great 121st Psalm as our text, and if you want to turn to it, but we'll also be showing it on the screen in a couple of minutes, but Psalm 121 is, uh, is our text. When I was pastoring, we were doing a building project, and I went out to a warehouse to look at some stone samples. And after I had looked at these samples, I turned around and walked out a door and suddenly picked myself up off the ground, holding my head. Oh, my goodness, I was hurt so badly because I had walked into a piece of four-inch angle iron that was sticking out of the back of a pickup truck that was right outside the door. You know why I walked into that angle iron? Because I wasn't looking up. I was looking down. If I had been looking up, I wouldn't have walked into the angle iron. There's a certain value to keeping on looking up. Well, that's what we're going to talk about for a little while this morning. Psalm 121, most likely the writer of the 121st Psalm was in captivity in Babylon which is Iraq today, and it was around 550 B.C. And he was longing for the hills of Judea, that special place where he remembered meeting God, the hills where he had spent time just with him and God. It's been a song of encouragement for believers now for over 2,500 years. Jeff and Susie Livingston are my next-door neighbors, and uh, he's also our veterinarian, and that makes him Dr. Livingston, I presume. <laughs> he tells me he is actually in the family lineage of Dr. David Livingston, who was the original Dr. Livingston, I presume. Well, that original Dr. David Livingston turned his back on a lucrative career and went to Africa as a missionary in 1840. And the morning of November the 17th of that year, he read this psalm, Psalm 121, and felt convicted, he walked to Glasgow, Scotland, and he took a steamer to Liverpool, England, and then from there he took another uh, boat to Africa. And we're told when his body was found, he died at 60 years of age, we're told that when his body was found, his face was toward his Bible, and his finger was on the first verse of this great psalm, Psalm 121. I want to, back a few months ago, David, Brother David, had you read this psalm, but I want to have you do it with me again. Would you? Would you mind standing, please, and let's read Psalm 121 together. This is from the New International Version, and if you would join me in reading it. I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Thank you, God, for the word of of this wonderful psalm and help us to keep looking up. Amen. Please be seated. An atheist, uh, an unabashed atheist who was a friend of mine, was the director of the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. Now, I finished my Marine Corps career as the the uh, project manager for creating the new National Museum of the Marine Corps in Quantico, Virginia. And after I had spent the eight years doing that project, uh, other museums hired me to consult with them for a little while. And uh, the Cleveland Museum of Natural History was one of those museums that hired me. And uh, so I was listening to doctor, to uh, this museum director talk to a group about... Uh, origins of mankind and he said that uh, you know all the normal atheistic stuff about where we all came from crawled up on the land out of the water and all of that stuff and then he said an interesting thing he said of course there's one thing that we do know we know that at some point mankind almost vanished from the face of the earth He said it got down to where there was almost nobody, and he said we know that there were at least fewer than 200 people on the earth. And I wanted to say, yeah, there were eight. Did you ever hear about the flood? Uh, he, He could have looked at the scripture and gotten the same information, you see. The world's ungodly ways are below us and would keep us looking down. But at God's tug from his word, we can look up and find loving truth. We can look at the word of God and find the truth without having to even guess. Did you ever have a, what we call a mountaintop experience? where you went somewhere and you just had this wonderful sense of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you just had one of those great things happen. Uh, A lot of us had it at Enloe Youth Camp, right? I surrendered to the ministry when I was 14 years old at Enloe Youth Camp. What a great experience. It was one of those mountaintop experiences. Some of you may have gone to our civils camp down in southern New Mexico, or you may have had some other kind of a 
what we call mountaintop experience. Oh, those are great things to reflect back on. It seems like when you come down from the mountain, they kind of go away sometimes. But we can look back on those and remember the great experience we had with God on the mountaintop. Looking up, we find God. That's the first point that we want to look at as we think about this great psalm. Looking up, we find God with a mountaintop experience. Abraham met God on Mount Moriah. Remember, Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, but God was there, so Abraham didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. Moses met God many times, including on Mount Sinai, where he got the Ten Commandments, and including on Mount Nebo, where God finally took Moses home with him, up on a mountain. Elijah met God on Mount Carmel, where he defeated, where God defeated the prophets of Baal. Jesus went up to the hills of Galilee, where he prayed fervently to his Father. He was up on a mountain. Looking up, we see God. I seem to feel particularly close to God in the mountains of south-central New Mexico. You've heard me talk about the area around Cloudcroft and Mayhill, which is kind of home to me. I like to go back to those mountains and walk around and just, just talk to God. But you know, the mountain does not really have to be physical. The mountaintop can be an attitude, a frame of mind, a place where we look up and meet God as we visit with Him in prayer. The mountaintop can be in this room this morning. The mountaintop can be in your closet at home, your prayer closet where you like to meet God. The mountaintop can be in your car as you're driving along and just visiting with the Lord. The mountaintop can be wherever you talk to God, just spending time with God. There's a great story about answered prayer in the, in the Houston newspaper not too long ago. During the morning worship service, Ellen, a young lady named Ellen, noticed a nice-looking young man sitting by himself in the back seat. So she approached him. She extended her hand and said, Hi, I'm Ellen. And he jumped up and ran out of the building. Well, the following Sunday, he returned to church and made an apology to her. He said, I, I want to apologize. My name is Bob Price, and, and I, I was really rude to you last week. He said, uh, but what you need to understand is my recently deceased wife's name was Ellen, and I've been praying that God would give me another Ellen And when you said, hi, my name is Ellen, I lost it. <laughs> and uh, at the writing of this story, he and this Ellen had been married for 12 years. And God put that together, answered a prayer. Well, so looking up, we find God. Point number two, looking up, we find acceptance. Verse 3 says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. 
we find acceptance by Almighty God. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, He accepts you just as you are. God knows your heart. I don't care what the nastiness is in your background, what the junk is that's back there that you wish you had never done, what, when you think of it, you just cringe and think, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. What nobody else knows about, but you know about it, at the time that you did it, God was there with you at that very moment and he was saying, don't do this, don't do this, and you did it anyway. But do you know what? God still loves you. He loves you anyway. And if you've not confessed, confess, because God loves you anyway. He still cares he still wants you to accept his forgiveness just as you are. He will forgive you. Now, will those twinges of guilt go away? Probably not during this lifetime. But you can learn to accept the grace of God. And as soon as that hits you, then you can say, oh, yeah, but I'm forgiven. God, who loves me above all, has forgiven me already. He knows my heart. He knows I'm sorry. He knows I've asked forgiveness. And he knows by his grace that he has forgiven me. George Yount sang with the gospel quartet, the cathedrals. And George Yount was, was not a very handsome fellow. George's face looked like a basset hound. I don't, some of y'all may know who I'm talking about. Uh, I wouldn't really call it ugly, but I'm not sure why I wouldn't. <laughs> George sang a song called The, the Inward Man. And he, 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 the way that some of the words of the song went like this. He said, I got up this morning and looked, into see, uh, looked in the mirror to see one big ugly face uh, looking right back at me. I remembered what the good Lord said. He, I was holding his book in my hand. He said, don't worry about your dilapidated face because I'm looking on the inward man. Only looking on the inward man. Lord, I want to thank you for looking on the inward man. Only looking on the inward. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what you have done. If you accept God's forgiveness, looking on the inward man, we can find acceptance from this almighty God. Matter of fact, he loves us so much, he gave his son Jesus Christ so that we could have complete and utter forgiveness and spend eternity with him. Looking up, we find God. Looking up, we find acceptance. And looking up, we find strength. We find strength in the Lord. Verse 2 of our text says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We find our strength 
in the Lord. Colossians 1, 10 through 12 says, Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We've got it all through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Giving thanks, talking to him all the time, saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Talking to him. When we're at our weakest, he comes to the rescue. When we feel the most vulnerable, we can depend on God to care and to give us strength in those times, in those times when we feel so very, very low. Have you ever had those times and you just felt like you were all alone and just couldn't stand it any longer? And you felt like, well, I can go to God, and he'll care. He'll give me strength in this very difficult situation. I had been in Vietnam about, oh, three or four weeks, and the monsoons had started. Some of y'all were in Vietnam, and you remember those monsoons. The monsoons in New Mexico are not monsoons. <laughs> the Vietnam monsoons are sheets of rain that fall day in and day out and they just keep on raining and raining and we were up at a place called the rock pile up near the demilitarized zone in Vietnam and we I, we would patrol through the day in the rain and at nighttime we would set in on a hilltop or something and uh, and still wet get up in the morning and patrol in the rain some more and there were leeches. I mean, the, the elephant grass was waist or, or chest high, and because it was so wet, the leeches would climb up the elephant grass. Y'all don't mind hearing this, do you? <laughs> the leeches would climb up on the elephant grass, and when we would walk through the elephant grass, they liked to grab a hold of us, and then they would crawl. The leeches walk like like inchworms, they, like that, and then they'll find some place where they can hook in and, and start sucking blood. And leeches are awful. And, and sometimes you didn't find them because you were hurting in other ways. You didn't find them till that night when you were lying down and, and you just, I mean, am I making it miserable enough for you? This was, just hated it. Well, I'm from New Mexico. I mean, I didn't know anything about this kind of rain and stuff. And it had been raining on us for days like that. And we finally, one day we went up on top of a hill that was covered with elephant grass. And we tromped the grass down and started snapping our ponchos together to make a hooch to get under. And, and I'd had it all I could stand. And so I walked into a, I went over to a bomb crater that was in the hill, and I slipped over the edge of the bomb crater, and I just started talking to God. And I said, God, I'm miserable. I just, I, and I just 
felt so bad. I said, God, can you do something about this? I am so, I cannot tell you how, of course, God knew. I can't tell you how miserable I am. This has been going on for days. Please, God, do something. This is a true story. Within about 15 minutes, the clouds opened up and the sun shone through. And it started getting dry and the leeches went away. The leeches went to wherever the leeches go when it gets dry. And it was just wonderful. And then it got too hot. (laughs) And then the clouds came back together and just dropped a few sprinkles of rain to cool us down. And then they opened back up and dried us out again. And then came back together and sprinkled a little more on us. And they kept that up for the rest of the day. Thank you, God. Now, I don't. I don't presume to think that God changed all the weather patterns of Southeast Asia because Joe Long was whining. (laughs) But I do believe this falls under the category of all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. You know, God, he, He gives us strength at times when we are our weakest. And that was one of the most graphic illustrations that I've ever seen where God just kind of did what I asked him to. Thank you, Lord. He just keeps on doing it. He loves us so. So, looking up, we find God. Looking up, we find acceptance. Looking up, we find strength. Then looking up, we find life and treasure. Life to live, to share, to be encouraged and to encourage others, and treasure to store up in heaven. Our works are treasures that we, that we store up in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you opened your heavenly bank account yet? Are you making regular deposits in it? So when that time comes and this old life ends and we'll go walk through those wonderful gates into the place God has prepared for us, will your bank account have some treasure in it? Are you doing things God wants you to do? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you winning souls to Christ? In a room this size with this many people in it, there may be somebody or several somebodies who have never even prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You don't even have that place prepared in heaven yet. Oh, my. Would you give your life to Jesus Christ? Would you even make it a place for you to go right now? Would you give Christ your life? Let him be your Savior. Let him be your Lord. And then start putting treasure in your heavenly bank account. 
Start doing the works that Christ wants you to do. A friend of mine by the name of Charlie Barnett, when I was on the staff at First Baptist Church in Clovis, Charlie was a, uh, uh, an E-8, a master sergeant out at uh, Cannon Air Force Base. And Charlie got saved. And he was one of those people that got saved full-grown. He was born again full-grown. You know, some people do that. And he, when he gave his life to Christ, just all of a sudden he wanted to do all he could to win people to Christ and to, to serve the Lord. And he would take uh, visitors' cards from the church and go visit people that had visited the church. And that was just his, that was his calling. Well, Charlie, one of the things that Charlie would do was he could get in out at the base where not everybody could, but he would go to the hospital out at Cannon and go down the hall going into, into the rooms of the people that were there at the, at the hospital, and he would just stick his head in the door, and he would look at the name on the outside of the door and, and say like it was Frida somebody, and he would stick his head in the door and say, Hi, Frida, my name's Charlie Barnett. I just want to let you know that God loves you and I love you, and I hope you have a great day, and I'm going to be praying for you. And that was all he said. Hi, Frida. Hi, uh, Betty, my name's Charlie Barnett. I just want to let you know that God loves you and I love you and I'm going to be praying for you. And then, you know, if, if the Lord opened the door and they said something sweet to him, well, then he'd go in and talk to him about Jesus. There was a guy, and I don't even remember what his name was, but let's say his name was Bob. And Bob was a grouch. And Charlie stuck his head in the door and he said, hi, Bob, my name's Charlie Barnett. I wanted to come just stick my head in the door and say, God loves you and I love you. And he did that several times, several days with Bob. And finally, Bob said, Charlie, come here. So Charlie went in and uh, he said, yeah, what can I do for you, Bob? And Bob said, shut up, Charlie. I've had enough of this. I don't feel good and I'm tired of you sticking your head in the door and saying this stuff. Leave me alone. And Charlie said, gotcha, Bob. And so he left. The next time he was in the hospital, Bob was still there. And Charlie just couldn't help himself. <laughs> he opened the door and he stuck his head in and he said, Bob, Man, I know you told me not to do this, but I, I just got to let you know that God loves you and I love you, and I'm going to be praying for you, and I hope you have a better day today. And you know what? When it, Bob didn't leave the hospital alive, but when it came time for Bob to die, do you know who he called? He called Charlie Barnett. And Charlie Barnett got to go in and lead Bob to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was laying up treasure in heaven. Not just so he could have treasure in heaven, but because he loved people with the love that Jesus Christ had given him through the power of the Holy Spirit when he got born again. And that's what we're supposed to be about. That's what we need to be doing. Looking up, we find life and treasure when we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. We find faith in a whole new light. Then, finally, looking up, we see Jesus. We look past the old empty cross. He's not there. 
Rather, he's preparing a place in heaven for you and me. John 14, 2 and 3 are the very familiar passages. Looking in my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you, that where I am there also may you be. Look up. Do you see Jesus? Be encouraged. He has prepared the way to abundant life here on earth and everlasting life when this one is over. He has a place for you in his heaven. Do you see him? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? He's right there. He's calling. He's knocking. He's waiting for you to open the door of your heart. Where do you stand with Jesus this morning? Do you know him personally? Christian, if you know him, does he have control of your life? Are you experiencing the excitement of, the, of being able to look up, of having that positive relationship with him where you can just talk to him about anything at any time and smile and experience the joy of your salvation. Person who's never established that relationship with him in the first place, would you do that today? Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you've never prayed to receive Christ, would you do that now? Would you just pray to receive Christ right now? Here's how you do it. The first thing you have to realize is that God loves you and he gave himself for you. Then you have to realize that you've sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then you have to recognize that the penalty for sin is death. That's talking about eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. And hell is not the place you want to spend eternity. It's described as a lake of fire or a place of outer darkness. And it's paralleled to a, uh, the trash heap that never quits burning. My goodness, for eternity. That's the penalty for sin. But Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. You see, Jesus had no sin of his own to die for, so he could die for yours and mine. What we have to do is accept his death as payment for our sin and invite him into our lives. Give ourselves to him to be born again and to make him Lord of our lives. A prayer like this, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I now accept you as my Lord and Savior, your death as payment for my sin, and thank you for coming into my life. I give myself to you. Could you pray that prayer? We're going to have counselors standing at the front. Folks, would you please stand right now? We'll have counselors standing at the front. If you want to come forward and make your commitment to Christ or ask one of these counselors about the next step you need to take, this would be the very time to do that. Just come and visit with one of these counselors. Or if you would prefer, fill out that slip of paper on your bulletin. 
and drop it in one of the receptacles on the way out after the service. But these counselors are ready to talk to you about the next step you can take in your walk with Christ. Oh, keep looking up. Keep looking up to a Christ that loves you, a God that shed His, uh, shed Christ's blood for you. Keep giving Christ His rightful place in your life. just a moment I'll lead us in a closing prayer and these counselors will remain here for those of you that would like to come and visit with them for just a few minutes dear Jesus we love you we thank you for loving us we thank you that you are available to us with your power and your strength And we are encouraged as we remember that you are right there. Help us to keep looking up and have faith in you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Next Sunday, we'll be looking at how we recognize the Holy Spirit within the church. We'll see you then.